Are you looking to fine-tune? Whether for your business, your job, your team, or yourself, in each episode, we will be discussing different ideas and opinions using real-world examples to help you see opportunities, innovate, and succeed. Hi, it's Corby Fine, and welcome to Fine Tune. So Nick Beek has been passionate about programming his whole life. From a young age, launching a whole series of organizations and companies, web design firms, 3D sales platforms. But then he turned his attention to the notion of e-commerce, payments, transactions, thinking about online credit card processing, built-in shopping carts, with a goal of delivering a better payment experience, better tools, better journeys for merchants who really just want to run their business. Let plumbers do the plumbing, as I always say. Today, his company, Helsum, serves thousands of merchants in Canada and the U.S. and has built itself a reputation for being a pretty friendly and transparent payment processor. What that means, I don't know. We're going to let him explain that. But he's been recognized, as many of my guests have. They win all these awards. I feel very envious of them. But for contributions to the payment industry, the tech economy in Calgary, EY Entrepreneur of the Year, Prairie's Technology category winner in 2018. He's a member of the Avenue Calgary Top 40 Under 40 class. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thanks for having me. And thanks for that intro. <laughs> it's flattering. Thank you. It's something I try and do. I think my new mantra is strive to bring in guests who have way more awards than it gives me the time to explain in the intro. That's my new thing. So welcome to that unique club as well. So talk to me a little bit about what what is the payment space before we talk specifically about your business? Because I'm not sure that everybody defines it in the same way. Yeah, I think I mean payments is a it's it's a big big word. It means a lot of different things to different industries. I mean for us we for at least the space that we deal with is the kind of payments acceptance space. So like you know your business you need to accept a payment. You know that's pretty straightforward. You know on the surface that sounds boring. And, you know, we, we talk about that when we go and recruit people to our organization. You're like, you know, I work in payments. Like, what does that mean? That does, you know, it's almost kind of like I work in banking, right? But if you actually go right past the surface, you realize that you've got a front row seat at the heartbeat of commerce in the economy. You know, payments is so crucial in terms of the way that, that businesses interact with their customers. And it's at such a crucial moment. You know, if you think about like starting your first business and that first time you got paid, that first credit card tap or that first time you got that invoice paid, like it's such a special moment, right? And working payments, you get a front row seat. You know, we've worked with breweries. We work with tire manufacturers. You work with like electric bike companies. You kind of get to really see how businesses run and be exposed to it. So if you just love business in general, you really get to just be embedded in it all. So it's a wonderful kind of privilege. I, I very much see it as a privilege to be able to be part of that relationship. What you just described reminds me of walking into the local merchant and seeing the $5 bills taped on the wall behind the cashier. And it's that it's that happiness of being the first transaction, the momentous transaction, the transaction that puts you into business. And I, I understand then when you say being in the front row of really the economy per se, seeing money flow in and out. So, okay, we've defined what the space is. What is Helsum and why are you a little different than maybe anyone else in the space? Yeah. So our mission is to be the world's most loved payments company. So that already kind of puts us a little bit in a different mindset. Because when you think about payments, uh, you know, payments is a business that 
it's a it's an industry to pay, that businesses love to hate. I mean, it can be one of those similar to the telcos or insurance or things like that. You need it, but like, boy, are the companies in that space oftentimes like taking advantage of that and not creating these great customer experiences, right? And we really try to flip that on its head and saying, you know. One point of differentiation on top of we have great rates, we have great customer service, we have great digital tools, but ultimately what wraps it all around is we want to be loved by our customers and be the heartbeat of our customer's success. And that's enough of a differentiating point for us to have built the brand that we have built just because that's how notorious the industry is for bad practices. So what makes a good customer experience in the payment space? Because I think most of us think about all of that behind the scenes. And yes, things can happen when I'm making a transaction if I get flagged for a fraud risk or my credit card doesn't go through because the algorithm at, to your point, the bank, which might be a bit more boring, says, hold on a second, I need more information. Are those the kinds of things that you're talking about? Or, or can you give some examples of how you define a good customer experience in the payment space? Yeah, ultimately, I think it boils down to like making it human. And I think both the legacy players in payments banking and in general kind of have gone so far and they've, they've kind of enjoyed the monopolies or duopolies or um, whatever position that kind of they've forgotten about that. And then I think that a lot of times that even in the new space and the fintechs and the new entrants, they kind of see customer service and that human element as like something that gets in the way of their growth. But they don't realize that if you're going to offer a financial service, like say say a, a dentist, if a dentist and she's processing $100,000 a month in her dental clinic, like it's such a crucial aspect of her business and be able to, to accept those payments in that moment. And she needs to be able to pick up the phone if something goes wrong and talk to a human and make that experience feel human. And it's so that obviously that applies to great customer service and the way that we you know, the, the wages we pay for our customer service, the way that we train them, we treat them like rock star. Like I think a lot of companies see their customer service as like bottom of the barrel employees. And it's like, no, no, they are the touch point of our customer. They have the single most impact to our brand experience. Like we need to treat them very differently. So that's one point. And then it's just about the entire experience. Like how can we make, how can we bring little moments of delight in everything we do? And you see that in our imagery, in our website, it's throughout our software. It's just, just the way that we approach the experience like has to delight that customer, that SMB. So, you know, you talked about that that $5 bill that's kind of taped up on that shop. One thing that we do actually is we, we have this kind of ongoing campaign where we encourage small business owners to take a screenshot of their first digital receipt and put it on, on social media and be like, my first transaction, right? And going back to the legacy providers, like when did did TD Bank or anybody else ever kind of encourage a customer to to have that kind of like delightful moment? And, and that's just how we approach it. That's a great analogy. So who are your customers? I mean, you mentioned the dentist, you keep saying SMB. Is there a particular type of business, size of business, vertical of business that says, hey, that is the absolute perfect wholesome customer? So, I mean, payments is interesting because payments in general, especially if you're going to be a payments first company, you know, where people are searching and, and seeking out, I need to solve this payment problem. It is a horizontal service, right? We're not a payments company only for dentists. We're not a payments company only for accountants. But we have found that what has the market that's really resonated with our service are what we like to call kind of traditional SMBs. So think about healthcare, like, you know, dentists and clinics, think about professionals. And then we actually have a, a really con a strong concentration on the wholesale B2B space. And that's like, it's a really weird space because 
there's this gigantic industry that services and, and supplies all businesses around, but they're kind of invisible in a way. So if you think about like, you know, okay, your plumbing store, sure, they might have a nice little kind of card reader with us at the front desk, but there's like 50 suppliers that are kind of medium sized that, you know, to that plumbing store and they're doing transactions and more and more they're doing transactions on, on car payments and kind of bank payments and digital payments. So we've done really well in that, that space as well. So that that would be the, you know kind of probably the, the concentration of that those customers. But in the end, if you look at our our, our portfolio of SMBs, I mean, like we have electric bike companies, we have tire manufacturers, we have embassies, we have theater companies. Like it's just it's just wild. And that's that front back to that front row seat. Like there are so many strange types of businesses out there that need to accept payments, and we just want to be at that heartbeat. Interesting embassies. I, I would love to see the things that they're charging for. But, <laughs> but maybe that brings up an interesting point. You're at the center of so many different types of transactions. You probably have purview to look at the types of things that consumers are spending their dollars on. Do you monitor that? Or is there anything interesting you're seeing in the behavior patterns of the average consumer? And then what do you do with that data? Obviously, you mentioned banks and traditional players. They're trying to figure out how to monetize this, even if it's to just attract new customers and market better. But talk about the data play at the intersection of the payments ecosystem. One thing you have to be mindful of is, you know, our businesses come to us and have a certain level of, you know, they're putting a whole lot of their data with us in terms of all their transaction history, invoicing, customers, and so on. And we have to respect that, that trust that has been put placed into us, right? So the way that we look at the data is obviously we look at our merchant data and how can we better serve our customers and build better products for them and things like that. And then one thing that, you know, we're still, you know, this is still a part of us that's that's growing. We haven't kind of really tapped as much into that opportunity as we as we want to, is how can we use all this data and simplify it in a way and present it to back to that small business and be like, here, here's some some interesting insights for you, right? Because we can zoom right in or zoom right out. And one thing that that zooming out that we've seen as part of this pandemic and 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 kind of changes in behaviors, we've definitely seen a shift to online payments. And so, for example, with us, with our company, uh, 40% of our payments are in person. 60% are online in some form, but online is a big word. It means means different things to to different businesses, right? But what we've seen is actually an 80% mixture of multiple channels. And that's, you know, you heard for a long time, the buzzword of like omni-channel or omni-commerce, right? Like omni-commerce, and it's a terrible buzzword, like it's just a mouthful and it sounds terrible, but you know, omni-commerce is coming and that's the future, which is like, nothing's gonna be pure online, nothing's gonna be pure in person, it's just gonna be some kind of weird blended mix. I think that's what COVID has done. I think people at first look at COVID and they're like, oh, it's all going e-commerce. And I think what COVID has actually done is like unlocked omni-commerce and like we're seeing it today. We're seeing that that line is getting really blurry for even that plumbing store I talked about. Like all of a sudden there's, they're doing way more online and, and invoicing and keyed and different things that you would normally expect from it. I think that's going to be the big shift. And what about the types of payments, the ways beyond omni-channel that people are, are paying? You know, I see a ton of advertising for the notion of something like buy now, pay later which is really the old, you know, 1980s model of layaway at the yeah. big department store. Any innovations or interesting changes to the way people are actually spending their money that you're seeing right now? Yeah, I think that what, I mean, so speaking on, on buy now, pay later specifically, 
that's an interesting one because I think that, like, like you said, it's been around forever. Layaways, payment plans, things like that. It's just been repackaged. One thing that I think is we have to be really careful as a society and as an economy is that one thing I, I, I don't think that people are putting enough attention to is that a lot of times it's being packaged and sold, especially to a younger generation, as this isn't debt. And it's like, it is very much debt. And like, there are surveys, you know, showing that like 40% of buy now, pay later are the people are using it are people that couldn't qualify for their own credit card or or had maxed out their credit card, which is scary in the first place, right? And I think there's a credit card must said in the the quarter third quarter of this year, 44% of of people had gone had fallen below, you know, one of their payments, right? And it's impacting their credit and everything like that. So I think buy now, pay later, I think it has its place in the ecosystem, but I think there's this this notion that it's somehow this revolution of like debt-free purchasing which is actually like quite not what's happening and i think there need, we need to do a better job at like educating our younger generation about proper like being careful around around that debt right in terms of like other trends that we're seeing so we recently launched a, a payment in the, uh, or a payment scheme in the fall called bank payments which is really a much better packaged kind of ach eft like direct bank withdrawals and we've seen great adoption on that and i think that what what merchants are starting to see is going, hey, if I can give consumers more options and then give them options you know, where I can pay less than, say, what I pay normally on credit card fees and things like that, but then doing in a centralized place so I'm not bouncing between providers and the customer can choose or I can decide what the customer does, um, we've seen a lot of an appetite for that. I think people are looking for digital payments are just here, like checks are just going away, but they need more options than just one. Yeah, I don't think my kids know what a check is if I said go to the office <laughs> and get one. But that, that's actually a really interesting point because I've seen a ton of pickup in the notion of maybe companies that you wouldn't traditionally think of as a payment provider trying to be a payment provider. And whether it's something like a wealth simple offering up an ability to do a peer-to-peer cash transaction platform. There's all kinds of, you know, SMS players where you can send money to each other. I still have no idea how they make money, but that's a separate issue. Are there organizations that are starting to bleed into your space that maybe you didn't think would have? Or is there anyone you're worried about from a you know behemoth in another vertical that might be stepping into the space? We know about Alipay and in the Asian market. What's going on at a market level that is either surprising or interesting to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, being uh, kind of really deep inside of that that space, I think one thing that people have to realize is that it is not a kind of winner-take-all market because the market is just simply gigantic. If you think about even the kind of traditional payments players, you've got PayPal with a $250 billion market cap, Stripe, that's probably, you know, private market and 200 billion, Square, 100 billion. Then you've got like a dozen legacy players like First Data and Manerson in like the $50 billion range, right? And like how many industries can you point to that have... um, that size, like those just gigantic size of players in it. And there's really just like maybe banking and insurance. Like there's, it's just, it's just so immense, right? So nobody's going to like win it all. I think what happens is that people start carving out their space and their niche and, and their, their ability to, to kind of service a specific merchant. I think that in terms of like more and more entrants coming into, it, I mean, I think the market has realized that like payments is a great way to generate revenue on top of an existing, you know, SaaS platform and an existing offering and things like that. But I think that realistically, I'm 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 bullish that the payments first providers are still in the best position because I think if you think about payments, it's an extremely difficult 
business to, it can be lucrative, but it's extremely difficult business to get right. I mean, you have from the customer, so you have customers that, that care between a seven cent transaction or eight cent transaction. So you really, you have really kind of commoditized piece of the business, right? They care between a, a, a two a second transaction versus a three second transaction. And like, you know, how fast and, and am I getting my deposit at 10 a.m. or at 11 a.m. or, you know, things like that, right? And then plus you have like, you're combining some of the hardest parts about fin and the hardest part about tech, you know, the fintech, right? So you have like, on the fin side, you have like government regulations, you've got certifications, you've got like bank relationships, risk, underwriting, fraud, huge technology. And then on the technology side, you have a huge technology stack. You've got, you know, uptime security. I mean, you're, you've got a huge target on your back for, for people that are, you know, trying to get into your, your database because you're, you're, you know, keeping such sensitive information on file and things like that, right? So getting payments right, and the point I'm getting to is getting payments right is like really, really hard. And ultimately, um, it's the bigger problem to solve. And then ultimately, I'm a believer that putting all of your energy and trying to solve that problem first so you can create a really great payment experience for your customers is the harder piece. And then we, the view of our, you know, the, our worldview is that like we get that right and then we can start moving more and more into more of the software and the ecosystem of tools we can offer as opposed to, I think there's a, a, a view out there that it's, oh, we'll put in a, a software business first and then we'll tack on payments. And it's like, Payments is a beast. It's a beast to try to, to wrangle. Being really hard, which is the term you said, I think makes a lot of sense. It's not simple. Having worked in the financial services slash fintech space, running an online bank for 2 million Canadian customers, I get it. There's a lot of dollar flow. There's a lot of transaction volume. There's a lot of things around the technology side in particular that you mentioned, security, safety, performance, timeliness. So knowing what you know, my last big question for you then, when you think about all of the things you've done to get to where you are, you see the market the way you just described it with all of these players, both natively payments providers and then other people trying to get into the space, though it's hard to do so. Where is it going? What What's next? What are the big next step trends and big ahas that consumers and or merchants are going to say like, wow, I, I need to get involved in that. I need to make my customers' journeys better. I need to make sure I'm getting paid better. I, I just need to simplify or reduce cost. W what are the big trends or things that you can tell us out of the secret playbook of what's coming from your product mix? Yeah. So I think that there's there's kind of, there's two sides to it. On the payment side, and I think big trends, I think real-time rails, they're starting to come, you know, Canada's not there, the US is starting to kind of release some things are really going to add some pressure on the card business because I think that bank to bank transaction, and especially if you think about it, I think there's a, potentially a space for like a uh, centralized digital currency. But if you have real time rails, like, I mean, that's a pretty strong competitor there where you don't need an on ramp and an off ramp. Like it's just, it's just straight in real time moving money from one bank account to another, which is ultimately where people want it to be. Right. So I do think that that's going to put a lot of pressure on, on incumbents that don't adapt a lot quickly enough, which is why we've built our, our bank payment offering. And I think we're going to really lean into that. And I think on the consumer side, I think that one thing I find really that we have definitely our eye on, I find super interesting is using that that point of sale or that, that entry, whether it's a point of sale or that invoice or whatever is the case, as an entry point for a communication channel with a customer, right? And it's kind of like, okay, you've, you've just did the transaction. How can you keep the conversation going? And if you think about like when you go to that 
quick order restaurant and you tap your card and then you know they have their, their, their email on file that they ask you for their email. I think that's a really interesting way to start a whole kind of marketing and communication channel with your customer. And I think that that's certainly something that we're leaning into. And I think there's going to be a lot of, of interesting development of just flattening that experience and turning into like great customer engagement opportunities. Turning payments into marketing and CRM strategies. And I have exactly. seen some interesting businesses that do things like that, including one that I believe puts a NPS survey question right into the payment processing devices so that as you're completing the transaction, you're actually able to rate the experience in the moment and directly correlate it to who was on the other end of the cash, who served you, all of that interesting data. Pretty interesting. And and I, I like your notion of maybe flattening all of those different providers and technologies into a single stack around payments as really the the core trigger of what really now matters. I have a relationship with you as a consumer and I want to take advantage and build on that relationship. So it's just a key moment. Everything kind of comes together in this little moment, right? Yeah, interesting. Well, listen, Nick Peek, who is the CEO and founder of Helsum, and that's www.helcim.com. I know it sounds a little off from the spelling, but I won't kill your branding people for that. <laughs> um, listen, you have an ambitious goal trying to, I guess, turn a, a, a and tackle a, a boring, as you define it, industry of banking and payments and really focused on making the world's most loved payments company with Helsum. So, you know, good luck. Uh, congratulations on your success today. And thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Fine Tune. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me on Twitter at CFine, through LinkedIn at CorbyFine, or visit my website, CorbyFine.com. Fine Tune is produced by me, Corby Fine. Thanks for listening.